The Start On Demand. On demand. Manitoba students rank dead last in Canada in math and science and second last in reading. We'll get reaction from the Manitoba Teacher Society. The Winnipeg Blue Bombers say they're on pace to set a record for Grey Cup merchandise sales. And young singer Billie Eilish recently revealed she didn't know who Van Halen was. Jimmy Kimmel says to her, what about Van Halen? And she says, who? So that got us asking the question, what are some big pop culture things you don't really know all that much about? I'm Brett McGarry, alongside Greg Mackling and Loren McNabb, who's now on vacation for a couple of weeks. We are Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb, and this is the Tuesday, December 3rd podcast for The Start. How was California? It was fantastic. Um, it was cloudy and cool the first three days, and then, of course, Sunday, the day I get on the plane. Oh, it's no. 19, sunny, not a breath of wind. And I was like, how long before ICE would even come and look for me if I just decided not to get on the plane? That's the worst when that happens, when you go away. Like, I went to Las... The first time I went to Las Vegas, I had never been there. I just assumed foolishly that because it was in the southern United States that it would be hot. But clearly I was incorrect because I remember the first... When we got there, uh, my girlfriend at the time, this would have been like eight, nine years ago... Uh, she went and changed into like a little sundress, and I was wearing a t-shirt and shorts, and we went outside. It was like twelve degrees. <laughs> now we went, we went in January, so, uh, so it was twelve degrees. I don't. And then at night, we're standing by the Bellagio fountains, and it's so beautiful. But we're like holding each other and just <laughs> shivering because it was, I think, four or five degrees. And then on the last day, as we're sitting on the patio at uh, Monami. The Mon Ami Gabby? It is. At best pa- uh, French onion soup anywhere. That's right. At the Paris Hotel, we're sitting on the patio watching the fountains, and it was 18 degrees. Of, of course. It was the warmest day. Still not uh, tropical, but it was way warmer than it had been. It's funny because at 14, 15 degrees in Los Angeles, that's parka and gloves weather for a lot of people. Oh, yeah. So waiting for the train. Did all our travel by train from San Diego up to Anaheim to L.A. and back by train and... And it was interesting on Saturday. It was a little bit cooler. Friday was cooler still. And uh, the locals had their parkas on. Not everyone, but a good number of people. And we went to a <laughs> we went to a restaurant across from the Honda Center for the for the game on Friday afternoon. And basically, the only people out on the patio were Winnipeg Jets fans. <laughs> 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 so it was outstanding. Uh, hearty Winnipegers. Uh, we thought it was quite balmy. Uh, anyone. That was an Anaheim Ducks fan, had a scarf and or a toque on along with their Ducks jersey. So yeah, Winnipeg well represented, by the way, at both games. Yeah, I remember when I, the first time I went to Florida, we went in December. And the day that we left, this goes back to, I think, 1989, uh, either 89 or 90. But the day we left, it was minus 30 and the wind chill was 2400. Remember when they used to measure it that way? And it I was, didn't know what any of those numbers meant, no. but yes, I remember it. And I'm pretty sure it was near blizzard conditions, so we were quite happy to get out of there and down to Florida. And I think it was only 17, 18 degrees. We're, of course, in t-shirts and shorts, and other people are wearing sweaters and jackets, and they thought, they even said to us, how are you not frozen? And then we explained where we came from, and then they, they kind of got it. So, But it is always funny to see people wearing parkas when you're <laughs> wearing a t-shirt. So welcome back, Mr. Mackling. And you came back on a, on a rather interesting day in terms of giveaways because we have 
Not one, not two, not three, not four, but five giveaways today. Very excited because we were able to acquire some tickets for 637 for a conversation we had yesterday with Janelle Nadeau, who is a Winnipeg-born musician who was raised in Fanestel, Manitoba, and now is based out of Vancouver. She's the principal harpist for the Vancouver Opera, and she performs with the Vancouver Symphony Orchestra. But she's come home to Manitoba to do a show on Thursday called A Prairie Christmas, the Nadeau Ensemble. And we she brought her harp in yesterday. I saw the video. We're going to play replay some of that conversation at 6.37. It was just exquisite having a harp being played in studio and we have tickets to give away for that show at 637 at 707 we have two concert announcements and these are both big concerts so we'll give away one pair of tickets for the first show at 715 and then we'll give away uh the second the pair of tickets for the other one we're going to do that on facebook and then at 8.37, we have, or 8.45, pardon me, we have tickets for James Taylor. We just announced that yesterday. James Taylor and his all-star band, the Coast to Coast Canadian Tour, with special guest Bonnie Raitt and her band. That's Bell MTS Place, April 21st. And then finally, we have a $25 gift certificate for the Manitoba Turkey Producers at 9.15. I put all this stuff up on our 680CJOB Instagram. Just tweeted it out as well, if you can't keep track of what time we're doing what, because I, I can barely keep track either. Can I have a guess on who the concert announcements are at 7 o'clock? Well, are you going to spill it? Well, is it Van Halen and Billie Eilish? No. 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 Okay. Just wondering if maybe they're touring together or coming to Winnipeg separately. Who knows? Why why did you bring up Billie Eilish and Van Halen? (laughs) Well, come on. If you've been on uh, social media at all, I don't know why this is getting blown up the way it is, but it's really just an excuse and an opportunity to talk about Van Halen. (laughs) Billie Eilish, uh, 17-year-old artist, super talented, five Grammy Award nominations, pardon me, for the upcoming Grammy Awards. That's how talented she is. She was on Jimmy Kimmel uh, late last week or early this week and said uh, in a quiz game that she had no idea who Van Halen was. And that's, of course, blown up on social media. We are not going to talk about that directly. We're just going to talk about some of the things that, in our advanced age, shall we say, things that we probably should know about, seen, have done, have heard of, have no concept of. We're going to sit around and chit-chat about that at 645. Okay. And as well, just wanted to mention... For those who are, if you didn't get to see the holiday train in Winnipeg, it was here in Winnipeg last night at Panet and Molson at 9 o'clock. Today it's going to stop in Portage La Prairie at 11.15, Nipawa at 2.35, Minnedosa at 4 p.m., and then Shoal Lake at 7.15. Again, that is the CP holiday train. And as well, I should also mention here, uh, we there's a map. Global News has put together a map. And I should share this as well on our Instagram. I'm just pulling it up now. Of the best Christmas lights. Yes, it's kind of cool. And I'm just pulling it up at globalnews.ca. Winnipeg's best Christmas light displays for 2019. A handy map. And yeah, they've got sort of, I'm just looking at the map of Winnipeg and there are pegs all over the place here. And I guess you can probably add, they're going to continue to add to the map because you can place submissions. So if you stumble upon a house that you're a building that you think looks great, you can go to globalnews.ca and submit your suggestion. And uh, yeah. I'm a little dismayed my house isn't, my house is not on this map. No. Do you have like a no. Clark Griswold no. Christmas vacation? Don't even have a green light on the house at this point. Oh, in nothing there, nothing no, yet. No, nothing yet. Are you going to put up lights? I don't know. I've got all the stuff. 
We'll just have to see how the weather cooperates over the next few days. How's that? Looks like we're going into the deep freeze next week. So if I want to do that, I'll have to do it over the next few days, I suspect. Oh, my. Uh, I see Sorry. a Sunday night clear low of minus 23. Mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't like that. I don't like it either. Okay. Oh, I thought we might, we might come into this segment with uh, one of your favorite bands, Greg, because that's what we're talking about right now. Yeah, Van Halen. Uh, Jeff played a little Van Halen earlier this morning, but uh, in news that means nothing except on social media, Billie Eilish says she doesn't know who Van Halen is, and most of us are likely asking two things, who cares and <laughs> who Billie? is Billie Eilish? <laughs> so you're a tough guy, like you really rough guy, just can't get enough guy, just always so puff guy. I'm that bad type, make your mama sad type, make your girlfriend mad type, might seduce your dad type, I'm the bad guy. It's brave to just roll out of bed and start singing a song like that. <laughs> no, don't be a hater. I'm not. Actually, I like that. Billy, I, I first heard her her name, I think, two or three weeks ago when she was on Saturday Night Live. Yeah, and she's been on Howard Stern. Uh, she was a great interview on uh, Stern. Billy Eilish Pirate Baird O'Connell is her actual name. Pirate what? Pirate Baird? Pirate Baird O'Connell. No, she's from California. That's her actual name. Yes, that's her legal name, Jeff Forche. But she goes by Billy. But she goes by Billy. Uh, 17 year old. Uh, she's American from California. Apple's Music Artist of the Year for 2019. And oh, yeah, she has five Grammy nominations. Here's a snippet from Jimmy Kimmel the other night. But I was 17 in perhaps the greatest year in American history, 1984, like the number yeah, one ew. year. Experts agree, right? And I was wondering if I could go to. Who was through born a- after that in this room? After 1984? <laughs> Is that your nice way of reminding me how <laughs> how close I am to death? No, no. You well, know who Madonna is? I do know who Madonna is. You know, uh, can you name a Van Halen? Who? <laughs> no, I'm going to start crying. <laughs> <laughs> so Jimmy Cannonball is of my vintage, and, uh, well, Brett... Uh, obviously, uh, you and uh, Jeff Braun are younger than I am, but let's face it, there are things that a lot of people know about, talk about, pop culture, music, literary uh, endeavors that none of us have ever encountered before. I don't know why this is such a big deal. I guess it's just, it's just fun. We're, we're desperate for things to talk about uh, in social <laughs> media. But for us, it did have me wondering about some of the things that that we've never investigated or heard of as as people in our 40s or 50s and Forte in his teens over there. Oh, come so, on now. Okay, 22? <laughs> 28. Well, yeah, is, is there something that jumps to mind for you, Forte? Well, it, I saw your email earlier, so I've only seen two Star Wars movies, and I saw one in theater. It was the one Jar Jar Binks. That's <laughs> that's all I know. Uh, but I actually, Menace. I literally watched, like, the, was it? The first one that was made, which is not episode one, which I get really episode confused. Episode four. <laughs> episode four. I finally watched that one this past year with my buddy. So, yeah, I'm not really Star Wars, Star Trek. I don't really know anything about not them. Not a thing. But uh, I do have to admit something, and I didn't really know what Live Aid was up until... Oh, you mean Rhapsody? Yeah, about like seven years ago. So that would be the big one. I didn't... I had That's no idea. Bad. But I wasn't born then yet, so <laughs> give me a pass at least. Well, yeah, we'll I, give you a pass. It's it, that's okay, Jeff. You are absolved 
from your sin on that one. I just want to, it's worth pointing out too, Wolf Van Halen and who he is. Uh, Wolf a- Andy Van Halen's son, who's He's taken over. Yeah, he took yeah. over for Michael Anthony when... Uh, when Sammy Hagar was unceremoniously dumped from Van Halen, he took <laughs> Michael Anthony with him eventually. So Wolfgang Van Halen plays the bass for VH now. So he tweeted at Wolf Van Halen, if you haven't heard of Billie Eilish, go check her out. She's cool. If you haven't heard of Van Halen, go check them out. They're, <laughs> They're cool, cool too. <laughs> Music is supposed to bring us together, not divide us. Listen to what you want and don't shame others for not knowing exactly. what you like. I will admit that I never went to a Jets 1.0 game, ever. I didn't. I hadn't actually gone to a hockey game at the old barn until the World Juniors in the late 90s. What was that, 98, 99? Yeah, December 98, January 99, correct. I didn't. So I did, although, get to a Jets game. It was actually at the, the very first preseason opener when the Jets came back. I, I was able to finagle tickets for that. But for me, uh, in terms of the couch potatoes, like, I could write a list of classic movies that I should have seen. English right, Patient. Off to, oh God, <laughs> never! I will. I will not watch that just out of spite, uh, because you like it so much, Jeff. But movies like Gone with the Wind, Casablanca, The Sound of Music. I haven't seen any of these movies. I didn't see It's a Wonderful Life until I think I was thirty. I've still never seen it. It's a Wonderful Life. No. I, but as you know, because I've been boring you to death with uh, my 30-year-old reviews on the show this year, I've made a conscious effort to see movies I've not seen. And I, got, I won't go through them all, but i got a list of 20 classic movies I watched this year that I'd never seen before. And they include the likes of The Princess Bride, Pretty Woman, Marley and Me, Point Break, Terminator 2, Field of Dreams. You've never, I've never seen, seen Terminator 2? any of those until this year. Yeah. Oh, Kelly's yeah, here. Kelly's here. <laughs> Hi, Kelly. Hi, Kelly. <laughs> I'm just having fun listening in, and, and I was uh, I, I join in the conversation with great trepidation. It's okay, Kelly. Because I have never, I've never seen one episode of Harry Potter, Downton Abbey, Game of Thrones, or The Walking Dead. That's okay. You watch a lot of sports. I don't know how you can find time to watch any television, to be quite frank. Oh, thank you for defending me, Hitman. <laughs> I, I feel I, I feel a little bit better now. Yeah, it's it's just it, it it it's interesting to sit back and listen to you and Jeff and and Greg and some of the others talk about some of these famous shows. And and maybe when I retire, I'll uh, I'll I'll start to binge watch these shows just so that I can be you know like one of the cool kids in the room. <laughs> That's got, fire, Kelly. We got a text message from a listener who says made an Austin Powers reference to a worker to a coworker, and he looked at me funny. You know where he gets the the cart stuck in the hallway? He was yeah. yeah. Well, the guy was born in two thousand one. It blew my mind. <laughs> oh my word! <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, I was watching uh, Global News uh, Morning, the national show, after our local production uh, out of Toronto with Jeff MacArthur and Carolyn McKenzie yesterday, and they were kind of. It's like you realize it's the end of a decade. At the end of the year, we're going right. from the tens to the twenties. And and my one of my boys was homesick uh, from school yesterday, and he goes, "Dad, that's crazy. We're going to 2020." I said, "Yeah, but I hadn't really been thinking about that at all. But here we are, going to 2020." Denny says, "I'm 45. I've lived in Canada my whole life. Never seen a hockey game." Text us at two zero four seven eight zero sixty eight sixty eight. Someone else says, "Women. I just can't figure out women." So. <laughs> That's a whole other show. That's that's four hours, not one segment. That's a mystery that shall never be solved. The headline at globalnews.ca. She reported her boss had sexually harassed her 
Then she was fired. This story from Laura Hensley from Global News, who joins us now live on 680 CJOB. Laura, good morning to you. Hi, how are you? Doing very well. Thank you very much for joining us here. So the headline encapsulates the story quite well, but maybe just give us sort of the the broad strokes. What happened here? Certainly. So Global News is working on a series that looks at violence against women. And my story in particular looks at sexual workplace harassment. So unfortunately, workplace harassment is incredibly common for women. You know, two in 10 report that they've been harassed in some form in the workplace. So the story that I wrote, you know, tells two women's stories. And one of them, like the headline indicates, reported sexual harassment from her boss, and then she was ultimately fired. So the repercussions of experiencing sexual harassment are not only, you know, personally devastating, but they can be professionally really upsetting too. And we always go to those numbers, at least I do, Laura, when I see that 2 in 10 will report this. Uh, We have to imagine that that number of people experiencing this is much higher than that. Those are individuals who are prepared to come forward and they're there are all sorts of obstacles in coming forward, aren't there? Certainly. I mean, when you think about what it takes to report sexual harassment, you know, it's a huge task, especially if the person who's harassing you is in a position of power. So, you know, one of the women featured in my stories, uh, it was her boss who was engaging in, a, in inappropriate behavior. So not only did she fear going up against her boss, but she also feared the security of her job. Because if someone's putting you in a bad situation at work and they have control over your work, there's a lot at stake. And, you know, it's very hard, especially if you're young, if you're a person of color, if you're in a precarious work environment, reporting can be that much harder. So this uh, the, the woman that you speak of in the headline, she reported her boss had sexually harassed her and then she was fired. Um, what happened there? Yeah, so this woman experienced sexual harassment uh, for three years, and it was really challenging because the harassment was sort of hard to pinpoint at times, you know, it's staring at breasts, making inappropriate comments. But when she did file a formal complaint, um, they conducted an internal investigation. And the person who conducted the internal investigation was quite friendly with her boss. So it was it was something that should have perhaps been handled externally. But long story short, uh, they concluded that the behavior did not violate their workplace harassment code. And two weeks later, she was given a termination notice. So although the termination notice didn't say explicitly, you know, this is because you reported it, it was implicitly implied. And after she found that there was no apparent merit for her uh, complaint, it was she couldn't even go back to work. It was a very devastating experience for her. So part of the problem here is not only uh, coming up and coming to grips with what's taken place, imagining and then going ahead with a complaint. There is a genuine stigma, an understanding or at least a belief that people in power will take action if there is a witness and reports sexual harassment. According to the data in your story here, Laura, Only 20% of women think people in power will take action if they witness and report sexual harassment. That's a super low number. Yes, certainly. I think a lot of people fear that if they say something, nothing will happen. And the people in positions of authority don't really take their complaints seriously. You know, so if you think about the idea that when something happens in the workplace, you know, you're relying on someone in power to say, hey, that's not okay. With sexual harassment, a lot of women feel that they're not taken seriously. I think especially because some of the behavior can be dismissed as, you know, 
flirting or locker room talk or just boys being boys. Um, but that's not to say that it's not harassment. So it's really hard to sort of say, listen, this person is staring at me. This person's making inappropriate comments, you know, for someone to say, oh, well, yeah, that actually is harassment. I'm going to do something about it. It takes a lot of, you know, responsibility and guts and people just do not feel comfortable that many people in power will take those steps. You can read more at globalnews.ca and cjob.com. We've linked it to our 680 CJOB Instagram story. Laura Hensley from Global News joining us live on the start. Laura, thank you very much uh, for joining us and thank you for writing this important story. Thanks for having me. President and CEO of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, Wade Miller, joins us now. Good morning, Wade. Good morning. How are things going down at IG Field? Are you, are you wading through box after box after box of new merchandise emblazoned with Grey Cup champions on it? Oh, it sure looks good when you see the word Grey Cup champions all over this merchandise. So, yeah, it's um, it's busy. Our staff's doing a great job, and every day new product is arriving, and uh, you'll see a lot more Wednesday, Thursday uh, coming in, so for sure. Now, the headline uh, on the release that you guys sent out yesterday, Bombers on pace to set CFL record in Grey Cup merchandise sales. Do you have any sort of preliminary numbers that have come in? Well, it's just, uh, I mean, the first week was overwhelming in terms of uh, the inventory that we went through and pulled through all of it uh, in a week. Uh, So everybody, all of our uh, new era, who's a league partner and on field, uh, licensee is doing a great job in, in providing us a refill of everything along with our other suppliers. So it's just been huge and uh, you know, you'll see it keep growing and it's not slowing down and you just see and feel the buzz in the city. It's just phenomenal. And, you know, there's a shirt with the score of the game. and I don't think people can get enough of those. They, they didn't even make it onto the, uh, onto a table. They were just being pulled right out of boxes. So it's a, a great scene to see. Yeah, no kidding. Now, you referenced uh, in this release Saskatchewan's record set in 2013. Uh, typically, and maybe this has changed, but I know in the mid-2000s, Wade, the Rough Riders would sell as much merchandise as the rest of the CFL combined. Do we know what kind of number they racked up for Grey Cup merchandise sales in 2013? Yeah, it's their numbers. I'm not going to share them, but they're, we're, on, we're on pace to be right there, if not past it, and we're going to get there. Um, you can just feel it. Um, you know, we have the championship hat, which will, you know, the, the, the reorder is coming, but there was 3,500 of those that were sold last week. As an example, like it's, uh, you know, and, 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 you know, had a good sense that once, once the cup was back in Winnipeg, that, you know, you would see that fire reignited and, and that's what you're seeing the passionate fans and, um, the entire community as well wants to be a part of this, and, and we welcome everybody. Wait, have you been su- surprised at all by the sustained uh, celebration from the fans? Like Tuesday, you had the rally and parade, and thousands turned out, and then Friday night, the Grey Cup Social, which was uh, emceed by our friends at Power 97, Philly Kirby and Jay Richardson, along with Lisa Dutton from Global News, 2,500 people there. And then the, the next day, the family event, fi- which uh, I was there for when it was super fun, 5,000 people came and went throughout the day it was just like this it's it's like this endless celebration that is coming and it doesn't seem to be slowing down no i I, you know i i thought it would be big um but you know overwhelming 
the the response and just been fantastic uh, for our city, right? Um, so, and and I think we'll see that continue. I, you know, had the opportunity to take the cup after that event on Saturday uh, to flag football um, where kids are playing flag football. There must have been 1,500 people take their picture with the cup there. Um, you know, we'll do more events through December uh, with the cup around the city and let everybody experience it. So, um, you know, it's, it's pretty magical to see people and, and to look at that cup, right? It's, uh, there's a lot of history there. No question. And the celebration is very apropos for Winnipeg. I think this is this has obviously been a long time coming, but uh, nobody throws a party like Winnipeg, no matter what. And tonight, what's going on? Uh, the Grey Cup's going to be at the Jets game, along with uh, some of the cornerstones of this franchise as well, correct, Wade? Yes, it's uh, great. The, uh, you know, the Jets organization is having uh, our players down to drop the puck and, and celebrating the Grey Cup, so, you know, appreciate that. Um, you know, to to have them drop the puck and and, and put the Grey Cup on the, uh, the you know taking it down to the ice level, so it'll be a lot of fun, and uh, and then and we'll just keep going and keep celebrating and uh, let's see where we can take this. Well, and Wade Bob Irving once said to me years ago, uh, as he was trying to to bring some wisdom to uh, a young fool like me, just trying to make my way through uh, my training. He said, "Winnipeg's a football town, and you know you might not know it from the way that our fans get angry sometimes with the Bombers, but Winnipeg is a football town, and that became so abundantly clear to me at the convention center." on Saturday after seeing just the sustained level of excitement that was shown on Saturday, on Friday, on Tuesday. You can't walk 50 feet without seeing somebody, anywhere you go these days, without seeing somebody wearing bomber gear. And uh, it's, you know, it's it's exciting to see the how the city and province community have been re-energized and re- reminded how much your football team means to them. Oh yes, you're right. This province and city is a football, uh, you know, you know, big supporter of the football club. I completely agree with Bob. And you know, for a lot of years, there wasn't a reason why they were behind the football club. Uh, we, we've we've turned that page, and now you see that excitement, that energy. You know, that Saturday, like you talk about, that that was unbelievable with over five thousand people there, uh, kids of all ages, right? and and parents and um you know so so that that spark has been reunited and it's just fantastic to see and and we saw that before the Grey Cup game at the bomber store in the holiday bomber store in St. Patel where you saw that starting and, and now it's just continued after the Grey Cup win you know we're eight days after nine days after now and it's not slowing down um and it's just you know, great to see and great to be a part of. Wade, one, last one before we let you go here. Uh, I've always commented as to why the Blue Bombers are such an integral part of this uh, community. Obviously, three great cups in the 1984, 88, and 90 uh, solidified the relationship with people of my generation with the Blue Bombers. And then the team was ultra successful uh, despite not not uh, winning a great cup in 28 years, made a, a ton of appearances, in particular in the early 90s. 
the players that have decided to stay in Winnipeg from that era, and now we're seeing it with the Jamarcus Hardricks, with Adam Big Hill, with uh, with Craig Rowe, and now Chris Trevler really strongly uh, suggesting that that there's no other place he'd rather be. Uh, the Canadian players are one thing, but when the American players buy in and want to be a part of the community, it is a big deal in my mind. What do you think about that? I completely agree, and you know you. Um it's just the passion that our fan base has. Why do you want to play anywhere else? Right. You want to be a part of that. You want to be in a community that supports you like no other community. And, you know, I've always said, and I truly believe best fans in Canada for sports are in Manitoba. Right. And, and they'll be hard on the teams and they should be because they're passionate fans that are paying, paying to come watch games. Uh, But truly the best fans. And we're seeing it in new season ticket sales as well. Um, and we've had a lift there and, uh, you know, so there's lots of opportunity for people to get engaged and, you know, to be at the stadium in 2020. And that's what we want is everyone to get out to the stadium in 2020 and just keep this going. Sounds like a broken record. Manitoba students scored dead last in math, science, and second last in reading. Yeah, this trend, unfortunately, Brett, it's even worse than in 2015. This is uh, via a program for international student assessment. Uh, This is a standardized test that gets taken across the OECD countries every three years. And in 2015, Manitoba was second last in both science and reading, third worst in math. Well, the numbers for 2018 came out this morning. Manitoba, in comparison to other provinces in Canada, dead last in math and science, and second worst in reading. So this is obviously cause for concern for anybody with children in the uh, school system. The comparisons uh, obviously are something that are done in order to gauge where Manitoba's uh, education system rates in terms of results. I know the provincial government in 2014 in particular was very vocal about the fact that Manitoba was scoring poorly on these test results. There are educators who say that this test is is not the correct way to measure how things are going in Manitoba schools. We've reached out to the Manitoba Teachers Society to get their reflections and their reaction to these results. We haven't heard back from them yet, but we'd like to hear from you. Does this match up with what you're seeing with your kids? Does this result, do these statistics concern you? Yeah, you got to wonder what is going on here. Is this uh, some sort of a societal thing? I mean, we, I, that, I not that I've met every teacher in Manitoba, but anytime I meet teachers, I'm, I'm always just so impressed. There's so much passion. You know, we've had them in studio with us. A lot of young teachers now who come to the table with really bright ideas, stuff that I never saw anything like it when I was in school. And that's not to say my teachers were antiquated. It's just that things change and they evolve. And the teachers have done a great job, I think, of evolving. And they bring so much happiness and joy from what I've seen to the classroom and then to see these numbers, you kind of go, wow. Because, I mean, Brian Pallister back in 2014 when he was then opposition leader, he blasted the NDP saying the results then were a compelling indictment of the lack of progress and the lack of action on the part of the provincial government at the time. And now things are worse. 
things are worse. And uh, clearly, once again, these numbers from 2018 just being made available this morning. I don't think they tell an entire story, which is why we're reaching out to a variety of organizations connected with education to get their take on this and to help them break it down into a, a different fashion. Everybody's going to have their spin on it, Brett. While we have a couple of minutes, I just wanted to, to pose the question because I went to see Knives Out on Friday. It's a new movie in theaters, new murder mystery with an all-star cast, Jamie Lee Curtis, Daniel Craig, Chris Evans. I'm trying to remember all the stars in it, but there were just so many that I'm drawing that it's just kind of, uh, they're all blending together. But it was it was a fun murder mystery. Jeff Braun saw it too. We'll have a review of that in the Couch Potatoes, but that's not the point here. The point is it was, it was at St. Vitale, went to Cineplex St. Vitale, and inevitably in the wintertime, that parking lot is a disaster zone. And I, I wasn't sure why. Like, why is this parking lot always such a mess? It's particularly the southwest corner. Near the movie theater. Near the movie theater. Because I never even bother going into the, the main part of the lot unless it's a, a weeknight or an afternoon. But if I go on a weekend, I don't even bother going into that main spot because I'll drive in, drive around all the aisles, and then I'll just park far away. So now I just park far away and bite the bullet and take the extra 30 seconds to walk to the mall. But there, there's no one can tell where the spots are. Yes. So then there, and the, the lot has kind of an awkward shape. No so question. It's a curved shape. It's so, around the bus loop, which yeah. doesn't help. And then it sort of narrows because St. Vitale does have a pretty good, in my oh, mind. No, well, that, the bus loop is, is further, uh, further south than the, like the, I'm talking about the southwest corner that, that sort of runs along. Uh, St. Mary's. Okay. Or St. Mary's. Okay. But yeah, the the bus like closer kind of to bizarre. Earls and 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 Old Navy that far. Yeah, like west? if you're if you're outside of Hudson's Bay. Okay. Um. So they what what happens is people will try to figure out where to park. Yeah. But they they'll park too far, and then the the aisles sort of encroach upon each other, and it ends up just feeling like the Wild West. <laughs> and I thought, why is this always so difficult? And then when I was driving in through CF Polo Park the other day, I noticed. Ah, that's the difference. Polo Park. I th- we see the plows out there. If there's a dusting of snow, they're out there clearing it. You think that's the difference? I think that's what it was because the the, the, the the lot was caked in ice. I almost slipped and fell 10 times trying to get from my car to the movie theater. And that's why. It's because people don't know where to park. So it's just, well, just put my car wherever I want. And I've noticed that they piled the snow and I've noticed in the past, because I've had the same frustration in that same parking lot, I noticed that they pile the snow not far from that bus loop, which is sort of in a direct line, the pile of snow or the place where they choose to put the snow in the middle of the parking lot is sort of in a direct line with the front door with the movie theater mm-hmm. in that one corner of the parking lot, which does not help at all. And so, yeah, I, when you mentioned this, I thought... I've had the same experience with the same parking lot, getting very frustrated. And I think the shape also that you mentioned of the parking lot has a lot to do with it because it has some funky angles, whereas Polo Park is pretty much the different sections are great big giant rectangles or squares. And so it's easy to figure out through line of sight, even if you can't see the, the actual painting and the actual parking spot painted on the parking lot. 
I think that has something to do with it as well. We're not really good at, hey, we're bad at parking in in parking spots that are painted out for us, let alone when we're making it up on our own. I think it it, it goes uh, hell in a handbasket really quick. Yeah, and I just wonder, like, what what could they do to solve it? Like, would it just be as simple as just putting up some posts in the lot, so then you at least have a frame of reference. Okay, Some my sort of car, guide. My, my, the, my, the side of my car lines up with the post. I don't know, but it's just, I, I, I mean, I love that mall, but in the winter, it is always an adventure going in there, especially on the weekend, because you can't see the parking spots, and then you never know, am I going to be able to get out? Because I've seen that happen where people will, will stack their cars in a way where mm-hmm. someone is boxed in. Yep. Because uh, a lot of people just don't care, right? Oh, I'll just park it here, whatever. Well, it's uh, it's all about me culture right yeah. now. I think we've established that. Yep. As long as I get a parking spot, I'm here till 11. No problem. Yeah. I'll be the last one out of the lot. Doesn't matter where I park as long as... Uh, I'm somewhere that it's mostly safe. Yeah. So if you let us know, 204-780-6868, if you've ever had a parking adventure at St. Vitale or any other shopping mall, to be quite frank. I mean, like I said, we we work right next door to CF Polo Park, uh, so we always see the plows out there. So maybe at St. Vitale, we, I just happen to miss the plows and... Uh, or they didn't get out the one day where there was a little bit of snow and the parking lot is usually clear. 845 on 680 CJOB. Whoa. My text line just went just got like a machine gun fire i think uh, we might have struck a nerve a with the education numbers yeah and also the parking at saint vitale center yeah it just honestly it was like an uzi just rapid fire bam, 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 bam. this is i mentioned the word broken record the earlier this is the the same headline ish the variation of the same headline we hear all the time in this province. No question about it. And I think you make a good point in both context and the fact that there are very small percentages that separate Manitoba uh, from the other provinces that are in the same general bracket in terms of provincial rankings. But there are some very eye-opening results where that if I wanted to argue that some of the numbers are not significant, uh, there are some areas that are very significant, including those that perform the percentage of students that perform at the top level. Uh, Manitoba and Saskatchewan, very close in a lot of these ratings. But in terms of proficiency of uh, reading, levels five and six, in other words, the very top levels, uh, Manitoba has 9% of the students performing in that range, as does Saskatchewan. But then you look at Ontario with 16%, Alberta with 18 British Columbia at 16 and the Canadian average being 15% of the students being in the top or highest levels five and six for reading. And Manitoba, almost half of the top performing provinces. That That's bothersome to me when I look at the numbers. And it's a similar uh, situation with mathematics, where uh, Manitoba and Saskatchewan are 8% uh, for Manitoba, 7% in terms of the percentage performing at the top level. And then you look at uh, Quebec, 21% performing in that top level. Ontario, 15%. Alberta, 15%. And the Canadian average is 15%, and you've got British Columbia at 14 So th- that's, that's where I look as well, because it's not just underperforming students that fall through the cl- cracks in the education system. It's top-performing students as well, because uh, some of the lower-performing students do get 
a lot of extra attention. They get a lot of extra help. The kids in the middle and the kids at the top are the ones sometimes that suffer under those models as well. You can correct me if I'm wrong, but that was certainly my experience when I was in school. Yes, it was a long time ago, but I talked to a lot of parents who feel the same way. Yeah, and I, as just as I think back to when I was in school, I was actually a top performer scholastically, but I, I didn't know how to do anything. I, I, did, I was good at math, and I was good at science, and I was good at reading, and I got g- great grades. And as I look at some of the guys in my class who didn't get the best grades, they've all gone on to be very successful in trades. One, I think, became uh, an electrical engineer. Another one became a wildly successful plumber. Like a lot of these guys go on to do extraordinary things and are doing very well off just because they didn't couldn't do math as as well as the next guy doesn't mean they're worth less or worth worthless or worth less scott and texted as well something similar uh, to what i was saying he says how are our students doing in real life though learning is not just memorization so you can answer a bunch of standard questions learning is about learning how to learn and extrapolating those basics into dealing with new, more complex problems and coming up with new solutions and ideas. People from Manitoba would probably score high if you could test for that. Manitobans are so creative. And Scott raises a really good point, and I'll, I'll make that one personal as well, tie it back to me. I was great at tests. Mm-hmm. I was great at memorize. I could memorize back when I was younger and my brain was actually sharp and wasn't full of useless knowledge and trivia. I could memorize 20 pages of notes without breaking. Well, I didn't, I, it was difficult to do it, but when the test came. But you could do it. It would just come pouring out of me. And as soon as I handed in that test, all that information that I memorized would just go seeping out of my brain because I didn't care anymore. I learned what I needed to learn. You studied to the test. Yeah, and then I moved on. And it was the same in, with math. I would, well, I think with math, you if you don't practice it, then you lose it. No question about it. It's so, like a language, I think. Yeah, math, you actually had to understand it to, to, to excel at it. And I remember I would have, with physics in particular, I would just bang my head on my desk trying to remember. But I would eventually get that. But again, I would lose it because I didn't practice it. But when it came to tests, I would learn it just so I would get the good grade, and then I would move on. So I, the point is, I didn't really learn a whole lot. In school. You memorized and you performed well on tests, but did you carry a lot of that into real life? No, I didn't. I didn't. Well, there are a lot of kids, I know, because I own one of them, (laughs) who wants to know every single time they do something in science or in math, how is this going to help me in life, Dad? And you have to try and find a way to make it relevant for kids so that they want to retain it, so that it becomes a part of who they are versus it being a fleeting thing, something that they just memorize for this portion of whatever grade they're in, and then they move on. Math is, you know, you need that solid foundation. One of our listeners texted in and said that they don't like the fact that uh, kids are using calculators. Well, I'll tell you this. Kids are doing algebra in grade 7, grade 6, grade 8 now. Uh, I don't remember doing algebra to any great extent until grade 9, 10, or 11. So calculators are not the devil here. It allows kids actually to get into and do more complicated math sooner. It's a great tool. I understand the frustration with the ability to do certain things without doing all the steps like we had to back in the day, but I don't think we should be holding that against kids. The fact that technology is at their fingertips and they don't have to memorize the same sort of things that we do because back in our day, if you wanted to learn about 
the Byzantine Empire. <laughs> you had to go to the library. You had to go into that file folder, Rolodex thing, figure out the Dewey Decimal System. Where do they keep that book? And then go and find that. It was a whole arduous, uh, it would take you half an hour just to get your hands on one book yep. to look up something that you wanted to learn about. Now, you just Google it. And I'm not going to hold that against my kids or the next generation that they have that wealth of knowledge at their knowledge at their fingertips. I, I don't think that's fair to, to hold that against them. I think kids are as smart now, if not smarter than they've ever been on a whole variety of topics because that knowledge is at their their fingertips. Yeah, and someone had texted earlier saying kids are addicted to cell phones. So that could be good, but in other cases that could be bad. One text here saying 36 to 40 students in a classroom is not an environment conducive to learning in early and middle years education. But hey, let's make cuts. That's a good idea. Maybe at 50 students in the room, we'll see an anomaly where attention and learning suddenly spikes. Go, Pallister. Thumbs mm-hmm. down. That is uh, some sarcasm there, but uh, obviously well thought out. It is not the teachers, says another uh, texter here. It is a lack of good parenting. The message about Pallister is silly. NDP for 18 years, that is the problem. So is it the NDP for 18 years or is it good parenting? Uh, two messages there in about 21 words from that texter, but I understand with regard to the parenting. As I mentioned, I can't remember if it was in the last segment or this one, Jeff Courier made a a great point in my mind. Three components to educating a child. You have the child themselves, you have the parents, and you have teachers or the education system. And if parents are not engaged or not prepared to help, to not to stay on top of the schoolwork and simply leave it to the teachers and the education system, that's a slippery slope and that's only going to lead to disastrous results. You cannot leave it completely in the hands of the education system to, to look after your kids. You have to be hugely involved in making sure that they're keeping up on their classwork and taking a genuine interest. And if they want your help, find a way to get it. If, if you don't know how to do it, Khan Academy. It's amazing. I've sat down and learned stuff side by side with both my boys. So right now we want to talk about school. Yeah, and uh, the reaction uh, has been very impressive, uh, very passionate. We appreciate your reaction to the story. Uh, Every three years, OECD countries uh, execute for 15-year-olds a PISA assessment. Uh, This is the Program for International Student Assessment. 15-year-olds are ranked. uh, It's a computer-based test in reading, math, and science. And the results are in. Manitoba did not do very well in the last round of testing. And unfortunately, the results are even worse in 2018, where Manitoba finds itself Uh, at the bottom of the list in two categories, second from the bottom of the list in another. James Bedford is president of the Manitoba Teachers Society. He joins us now to get his reaction. James, thank you for this. Oh, thank you for uh, inviting me to be on the show this morning. It's a pleasure. Well, so what's your reaction to this? Manitoba uh, dealing with, um, some would say, uh, less than, than stellar results with regard to reading, math, and science. If you recall, the last time around, our our message was uh, more about Manitoba's position in terms of uh, social and economic position within uh, the country. We have uh, some of the lowest stats in the country. This is borne out by the OECD, and there's a direct correlation uh, between poverty and and education, and I think the tests are uh, simply reinforcing that correlation. 
Is it is it that simple, James? It, it at a certain level, it can be that simple. If you're looking for vast improvement, you've got to go back to the basics. It's very difficult to uh, educate children who are coming to school hungry. Uh, it's very difficult sometimes to get students to come to school on very very cold days when they don't have uh, the proper outerwear to get them to school. What about we've had some people weighing in regarding the this so-called new math, where they're even. Parents had to teach teachers the old way to do long division uh, to try to help the kids move along. But uh, some people saying that they, the, the new math didn't really help their son. And then when the, the school went back to the old math, the son was suddenly excelling. Uh, any comment on that? Education can be a very individualized thing, and that's that's the beauty of our educational system. Uh, teachers know students the best. Uh, you're talking to a former math student, and I will tell you that uh, I have huge respect for my colleagues who teach math. Uh, it's one of the more challenging subjects to teach in school because children learn math in a variety of different ways. And uh, as class sizes get very, very large, it's often very difficult to give the necessary individualized attention to every student in your class. I mentioned earlier uh, just this idea, James, of, of keeping it relevant. And, and one of my kids is screaming relevancy every single time he has to study anything in science or math. So I struggle, but I, I do my best to try and keep it relevant. And one of our listeners caught on to that as well and said, hey, a quick thought on math, science, a subject near and dear to my heart. Families need to keep math and science relevant for their kids at home, emphasizing the daily life applications. Example, whenever I coached basketball, I'd have our players calculate their shooting percentage on the fly, do simple calculations during dribbling drills, as well as incorporate some basic algebra, trigonometry, and physics to tie in what we were learning at school with their love for sports. Surprisingly, it actually worked quite well. What's your response to someone who's taking things to the, the next level, at least conceptually? I think everything you said uh, is is exactly the case. Uh, you're talking to a parent. Uh, two of my children have graduated public school. I still have one in public school. And I would say uh, one of the greatest things that we can do as parents to uh, reinforce a child's education is to create that relevancy. Uh, Manitoba's uh, public school teachers are doing some marvelous work these days to create links across all curricular subjects uh, to Indigenous ways of learning and knowing. Uh, I'm also a former science teacher, and it is absolutely fascinating to look at how uh, science was a part of Indigenous culture and Indigenous teachings done in a very different way than uh, than we uh, would have done it or learned it in our uh, very colonialized system. You mentioned that teaching is often very individualized or students learn in different ways. So the, the students that you previously mentioned, the ones who come from difficult socioeconomic situations where they maybe don't have food or have enough food or they don't have proper clothes, uh, does more attention then need to be given to those students to help them learn and help them excel? Well, one of the things, and, and the province uh, has initiated a review of uh, the K-12 uh, education system in the province, and one of the uh, items that we've made a priority in terms of our submission to that review is a universal meal program across the province to address that issue of hunger 
the data does show that a child who comes to school hungry uh, has uh, more difficulties in terms of concentrating in a classroom, in terms of retaining knowledge uh, from the classroom. We also recognize a need for individualized uh, attention. There was in this province uh, a number of years ago a pilot project to bring in reduced class sizes at the K-3 level. Uh, the current government uh, has uh, ended that project ended it prior to us being able to assess whether there are positive results because the data does show that when you reduce class sizes, particularly at the early years, it gives the opportunity for teachers to provide additional individualized attention in the classroom. And those early years can be critical to a child's success. Remember, education is a 13-year commitment on behalf of a, of a child and that child's parents uh, within the province. Uh, there's other challenges we have. Students with learning disabilities need that early intervention and support. Again, you've got to address these issues early on in the educational system in order to see those positive results when a child turns 15 and 16. Um, clinical resources across the province, and I've had the opportunity to travel extensively in schools across this province, and I can tell you that access to those clinical resources, which can be absolutely essential to a child's success in our system, differs widely, whether you're in a large urban centre in the province or whether you live in a remote community. I think uh, this is an important topic, no question. Uh, these results, I think, are going to be bothersome for a lot of people. The idea that there's a, a, a parent, a student, and a teacher involved in educating a student, and if people have a deficiency of students, young people in our province have a disproportionate deficiency in terms of, of their uh, food accessibility and nutrition, that, can we also then suggest that there may be a shortage in terms of resources at home, parents that uh, either are able or will and or willing to, to help their children uh, through their education. Is, is this a concern as well, James? If you come from a home where the parents are earning minimum wage, and minimum wage in this province is not a living wage, then there's a struggle to provide for your children. And, and as I said, I'm a parent. And a priority in, in my life as a parent is the success of my children. I want to provide for them. So it means, I think, for very difficult decisions uh, in our impoverished homes across the province, um, I think uh, difficult choices have to be made. And often those difficult choices are being there for your child or working to provide money for the success of your child, um, it's not a it, it, it's not a simple solution. And if you if you speak to Manitoba's public teachers or public school teachers who are doing an absolute phenomenal job across this province, they can tell you directly about the impacts of, of poverty in their classroom. Uh, in a recent survey we did, one out of four of our members are providing at their own cost, providing food or snacks for students in their classroom. That needs to tell you something about where our hearts are. James Bedford, president of the Manitoba Teachers Society, joining us live on 680 CJOB. James, thank you very much for this. I appreciate it. Thanks very much for taking the opportunity and taking the time to speak with us.
Hey, thanks for listening to The Start Podcast. We are available on Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, wherever you find your favorite podcasts. Subscribe now and never miss an episode. And if you like what you hear, rate the show, tell us what you think, and hey, even tell a friend about the podcast. Be sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram. Greg is at GMACWPG. That's G-M-A-C-K-W-P-G. I am at Brett McGarry, B-R-E-T-T-M-E-G-A-R-R-Y. And Loren on Twitter is at McNab on Global and on Instagram at McNab on C-J-O-B. Talk soon.